Welcome to the Glenn Mercer Show, where we talk all things vegan. If you're not already vegan, no worries, we'll get you there. If you are, tune in for health advice, information on climate change, and all the damage done by our most destructive industry, animal agriculture. We'll also talk cooking, theater, film, and culture. My two reasons for starting this podcast, to entertain, to inform, and to make people vegan. Oh, that's three. Shit. Welcome to the Glenn Merzer Show. You can find us across all podcast platforms on YouTube and at realmeneatplants.com. My special guest today is my new friend, Paul <laughs> Chatlin. Paul is the founder of the Plant-Based Nutrition Support Group. That's pbnsg.org. Paul, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, Paul, you have a health journey that uh, we all want to hear about, and it goes back 10 years to the year 2013. Is that right? Well, you know, my, my, my journey really started as a young 10, 11, 12-year-old because um, my family was based on my dad and his brothers. And between the ages of 10 and 13, three of the four had to have bypass surgery. Unfortunately, two of them never made it off the operating table. My favorite uncle uh, had uh, quadruple bypass and he never made it home and he was never the same mentally. And uh, that kind of shook the family and definitely shook me. And then down the road, I think I was probably, um, you know, 15, 20 years later, my dad had quadruple bypass. So, you know, that journey started quite a long time ago with heart disease. So you knew as a child that there was a problem in the family with heart disease. I, you know what, quite honestly, I knew nothing because, you know, 10, 11, 12, I thought I was invincible. I lived the life of somebody who was, you know, large and in charge and just, you know, working out and, and doing all kind of crazy stuff growing up and uh, eating whatever I wanted. And, you know, I never even gave it a thought because I thought I'd live forever. And was that the same in your 20s and 30s and 40s? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was a, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed uh, athletics and working out and did a lot of different things and, you know, made sure to do my, you know, five, six days a week of, of working out every day. And, um, you know, and, and plus I, I had no governor on my switch when it came to food. I, you know, we were foodies. You know, everything in my family's life was, what are you doing for breakfast, lunch, or dinner? And uh, when I was that guy who would, instead of ordering, hey, give me one serving, I'd say, well, you know, let's take one and a half and I'll take half to go home. And uh, I always will remember the day that they introduced the warm bread with olive oil or oil on the table with the spices. We'd go through a couple loaves. I mean, I just said no, you know, I did not stop on it because I thought, hey, I'm just going to keep working out or I'll work out harder. And that was the uh, thought that I had back then. Now, what was your weight like during these? Uh, I was at, you know, I'm. I, I, it's funny. I'm now 65, so I was five nine and a half, probably five eight and a half now. But back then, you know, five nine and a half. I weighed anywhere between 200 and 230 pounds. But if you look back at me and I could provide pictures, 
I was a power lifter for a long time and, uh, you know, I wasn't breaking records or anything like that, but I didn't have that much fat on me. I was just, I worked out. I, I really, really enjoyed always doing it. And I was always, you know, I played tennis and, uh, you know, I made sure to get my biking in. So I was always very, very active. And so in your twenties and thirties, did you think back to your uncles and, and worry that, there was there was a condition in the family of uh, of being susceptible to heart disease. You know, quite honestly, it was you know in my twenties, thirties, and probably my forties, it was a passing thought because I missed them and I didn't get to be with them, and I loved being with them as a young kid. But the connection, uh, even though I was at the age of like probably in my late twenties, I was on cholesterol medication. Oh, in your late twenties, you were on cholesterol yeah. medication. Oh, yeah, my cholesterol. What kind of medication? Um, well, you know, it's interesting. My, you know, I remember in my maybe late twenties, early thirties, uh, getting my annual test, and my doctor would say, "Whoa, you know, your cholesterol." At my high point, it was three hundred and forty-seven. Wow. And back then, my doctor would say to me, "Okay, we're going to try you on." It started with Zocor, and uh, about oh, about a month into it. I woke up one day, could barely walk. And that was the side effect of Zopor. So he said, you know, get off that medication right now. We'll try something else. And it took me about two days. And when I say I could walk, I mean, I was just taking baby steps. My whole body was aching. It was, you know, a muscle enzyme that was elevated to extreme. Uh, they put me on Lipitor. Everyone knows about Lipitor. Because remember, back then, it was Zopor, Lipitor, and Bravistan. That's all you had. So I tried the Lipitor about six, seven months later. Same thing happened. Now, what was interesting is he also said, well, you need to change your diet. So start having like skim this, skim that, skim milks, you know, all the, he never said eat fruits and vegetables, beans and whole grains. He just said, you know, try the light this and the skim that. And, and, you know, that was it. My cholesterol though, unfortunately, you know, with, you know, I got the side effects from Lipitor and then he put me on the highest dosage of Provostatin and there I, it, it worked. I didn't have the side effects but it's the weakest of the cholesterol medications. And I kind of flatlined for the next, oh man, 20 plus years at somewhere between 220 and 280. And he, that, he's, he would just say, you know, this is what you do. This is it. Until that one day where I had angina and uh, I was not well and I was sick and I didn't know why. And was this that, that day 10 years ago? Well, it was, you know, it was almost now 13 years ago. Yeah, wow, it's been 13 years. And literally, it was one of those things where, um, you know, I'd wake up and I'd feel that elephant on the chest, as they describe it. It's a it's a bizarre feeling. It really is. And I would sit there in bed, just wait, because it would eventually go away. I would then, for the next two, three months, go that same process where it would hit me in the morning. I wouldn't say anything to anybody. I would just sit there and just wait, wait a while. It'd come at me at night sometimes. And, uh, but it was getting worse. And then finally, one day I was in a meeting at work and it hit me during the day. I had to excuse myself and I was sweating. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do any, I couldn't do anything. I just had to wait there for about a half an hour. On my way home, I finally, stopped at my wife's office, asked her to come into the conference room. And I explained what was going on. 
And, you know, tears were flowing out of both of us because, you know, I had not told her because I didn't want her to worry about it. I just, I loved her so much. I didn't want to worry. And I, and I was not smart enough back then to, to say, okay, what could it be? And what should I do? I went to the doctors immediately. He immediately had me go to a cardiologist locally here in Michigan. And I went through a series and battery of tests and up to a heart biopsy and a heart catheter. And this was an older cardiologist. And he said, I've been doing this for 30, 40 years. And the tests are showing me that you need either a bypass surgery immediately or a heart transplant. And when you hear bypass, that's scary. But when you hear transplant, so, you know, immediately I went back to my wife and explained everything that was going on. And um, then the, the miracle started to flow. The first miracle was her boss walked in while she was crying, asked what's going on. And she explained it with me there. And he said, hold on. Well, it had turned out a couple of months ago, he had a major procedure done at the Cleveland Clinic. And that being the heart hospital. And this person made a few calls. And about an hour later, he says, I want you to give a call to the hospital. I get you an appointment. The appointment date was one day before. I was supposed to go back to Beaumont Hospital, local hospital, and get a catheter and a biopsy. So here I walk in. I'm going to take a moment. I always, I love showing them. Um, I walk into the Cleveland Clinic. Never been there in my life. They don't, you know, they assign me to a random doctor that lines up with heart transplant. The doctor they, they assign me to, I'll just give you his title. It's Director of Heart Failure. Intensive care unit section of heart failure and cardiac transplant medicine. So again, uh, never been there, never met the doctor. I meet the doctor. I go through the whole series of tests. And then I go into the heart cath lab, get a heart catheter. And, you know, they put you in twilight. They, they got tubes everywhere. I am so nervous. You know, and, you know, and, and I just remember as, as I'm, you know, looking around, it's, you know, it's like a foreign land to me as I'm looking around. But How I'm old were you at the time? 54. Mm-hmm. I was in twilight, uh, 53, 54. And I was in that twilight. So I could hear people for the most part, but I was so groggy and I could hear him going, yes, yes, yes. And they finished the uh, procedure. And I said, well, why were you saying that? He says, you don't need a heart transplant, but you do need immediate bypass surgery. Well, of course, then right there, I'm all prepped up to to go. They're wheeling me in, and second miracle comes. First miracle was I'm so they were person. literally wheeling you in. To oh get, yeah, I was I was to a get a bypass. Shape. I had a hundred percent block of my right artery, and the other the other ones were in the 60, 70 range. Um, I'll get to that in a second, but yeah, and. Um, we get up to the door and he looks at me, he says, you know what? I've only offered this up to one other person in 20 years. But if you'd consider a lifestyle change, I, w- uh, you know, maybe we don't have to do the surgery. And I'm like, oh, yes, I'll do it. Like, I didn't even know what that meant. I you're, just said, you're yes. literally being wheeled into surgery yeah. and the doctor has a suggestion. Yes. Now, Will now you consider a lifestyle change? Yeah. Now, here's where it gets kind of crazy. First. Just before he said that, I could, you know how everyone, when you're growing up, you go like, hey, hey, God, you get me out of this problem. I'll owe you one. I'll do something. Right. Well, we all did it. I didn't always come through on those promises. But just before he said that, as soon as the 
I found out I didn't need a heart transplant. I said, hey, if you get me out of this one, I'm going to give something back the rest of my life. Like, I'm going to do uh -huh. something. I promise I'll do it. So I'm being wheeled in. He says, would you consider a lifestyle change? I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm like saying yes to something. I have no idea. The next thing he does, he picks up his cell phone. And I hear him say, hey, Essie, this is Maze. Uh, I want you to talk to somebody. Now, at that moment, not only had I got lucky to get into the Cleveland Clinic, then they assigned me to a random doctor I never met whose mentor was Caldwell Esselstyn. So I'm on the phone with this Caldwell Esselstyn who I never met. And he's like, well, why don't you just go on home and I'll give you a call in the morning. I'm like, great, no surgery, I'll do it. We drove back from Cleveland, got home at like three, four in the morning. And he calls me at eight. We spend about an hour on the phone, gives me a list of things to do. And that's what started my lifestyle change and personal journey and my developing PBNSG and beyond. Now, as you were driving home from Cleveland to Michigan, having escaped heart bypass surgery, did you have any idea what kind of lifestyle change you were in for? Was there any chance they were going to tell you, we want you to be, be an Irish folk dancer? Uh, did you know what you were in for? Total leap of faith. You know, I, I knew a lifestyle change meant I was going to have to not eat the food I loved eating. So on the way home, I was looking for bad, you know, that food, the, the last meal. And uh, sure enough, from the moment I got off the phone with Dr. Esselstyn, the next move was my wife and I went to Whole Foods. And we started label reading. And then my eyes started opening. And unfortunately, though, I was really sick back then. I mean, it wasn't just I had a blocked artery. I also had a left bundle block, a heart murmur, an enlarged heart and leaky valves, and scar cytosis of the right side of the heart. So basically, at that point, what they wanted me to do is have complete bed rest for 90 days to shrink the heart so the valves wouldn't pump out. So my life being the most, you know, very active, went to sleeping, you know, 16 hours. And then when I wake up, I was hungry. So I'd have to start learning how to cook plant-based meals. And there were about three cookbooks at the time, you know, and, and I really didn't love vegetables that much. Like I like some of them, but not all of them. But I said to myself, I could do anything at that point for 14 to 20 to, you know, for 30 days, I'll do anything. And then 30 became 60. And it was really weird that after like 14 days, some of the vegetables I grew up not liking, I started saying, you know, I, I still don't like them, but I could eat them and they're okay. And the one thought I always had, and I want to share this with your listeners is not only do your taste buds change, which is amazing, but also, you know, I kept saying like a mantra, which is, you know, you know, the old, I, I don't live to eat anymore. I eat to live. So I just load up on fruits, vegetables, beans, and whole grains. I could have as much as I want. Uh, does it make me feel like it did when I would have a steak, a lobster, corned beef? You know, no, but it's good enough. It doesn't have to be great because what it's given me at 65 is I'm not, I'm, I'm healthy. I feel good. I'm never sore. You know, and I can't say I'm a kid because I do get reminded I'm older, but I feel pretty great when I'm around my buddies. And I hear their, you know, uh, pills that they're on and the, you know, aches and pains. I, I, you know, I don't have that many aches and pains. So when Dr. Esselstyn informed you what your diet should be, uh, 
what was that conversation like? Did he begin by saying you you're not going to have any more meat? What did he say? Yeah, you know, he's he was he's a pretty stern guy. He's he's pretty direct, and I like that. But he's like, no more meat, dairy, oil. Put your head around it. No more meat, dairy, oil, or fish. No more meat is so. All of a sudden, like looking at the food groups and thinking, okay, whole wheat. Mm, don't know if I like whole wheat noodles, but okay, we'll try that. Uh, okay, all these vegetables I don't like. Okay, I'm going to try every one of them. I'm just going to, I'm diving all in. I always liked fruits. That wasn't a problem. And beans, I didn't mind. So some of it was like, okay. And the other ones were, doesn't matter. I'm going to do this and I'm going to see results. And you know what? I, I started, all of a sudden I started, you know, I wasn't able to work out. So at 220 pounds at that moment, and about 60 days of bed rest, all of a sudden, I started losing weight. I mean, I, I ended up losing about 70 pounds. And because of 70 pounds was, in how much time? Oh, it was like three, three, four months, man. It was in away. three or four months. And you spent the first two of those months in bed. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I wasn't. So I was even it. though you weren't <laughs> exercising, the weight was coming off. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I mean, you know, my exercise, like I said, was trying to figure out what plant-based foods I could manage. You know, I was still trying to do some walking when I was awake, but yeah, very, not as much, hardly any real exercise, but just changing my diet and the, the weight just poured off. And the most beautiful thing was that cholesterol number of 347 started dropping to under 150, like right soon, right away. I go back for the checkup. My doctor's looking at me going, oh, hey, not only could he see it, but my numbers showed it. And, you know, that helps me and reminds me of how important a plant-based diet is for heart disease patients. But, you know, my journey wasn't over. You know, I made a promise to God. I'm not a religious man. I'm a spiritual person. I said, okay, I got, I got to give something back. I, I can't just, I can't keep, be selfish about what happened to me. I mean, people, people will see me. It's not enough. So I, I started, I didn't know how to cook. Okay, so I went to the Esselstyn cooking class and they gave me the charge for it. It was more than I would have thought. And I put it in the Blue Cross Blue Shield. They denied me. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. I'm going to go after Blue Cross Blue Shield and get a pay code so other people can get a you know, go to a cooking class on plant based. Right. You just on, on your website, it says nine hundred seventy five dollars. Right. Well, that yeah, I, again, back. Then I just thought for a half day that was a bunch. I, I again, uh, thank you the Esselstyns for saving my life. Right, but I'm I, you know I'm not wealthy and and I, that was a that was a lot for a half day. I I thought right. so. I started doing my you know like uh, work my way up the chain, got to the high you know, and this was all being done mm -hmm. in the first ninety days because I was sick and I had some time to do something. Right. Uh, long story short is I got to the highest level of Blue Cross Blue Shield and they denied me and they said because you have to they work in unison with uh, Michigan government Blue Cross Blue Shield and you need to get a pay code assigned and the only way to do that is you got to work with the legislature well Lansing's about an hour and 20 minutes from my house and I knew that if I was going to do that I might as well move up there for a while I got a chance to meet a lot of these people along the way and I'm like well, wow, Michigan's the second biggest dairy state. Like, this is going to be a tough one. I said, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Instead, I decided I got home that day and I said, I'm going to put a $20 ad in the local paper. And it's going to be like three sentences saying, 
I was able to stop and reverse heart disease. If you have heart disease, come to my house. I got room for 20 people. Within two days, 20 people had called me and were now planning on coming over to the house. And it was beautiful because of the 20, like 17 of the 20, I still know were involved with the organization. I'll get to that in a second. And I said, well, I got to do this again. And, you know, the following month, another 20 new people showed up. And again, these people are still with us today. And, you know, and I thought to myself, okay, well, I, got, I need a bigger venue. This is, this is it. This is that moment where I'm going to give back. So, but I realized that I'm not a doctor. And there, I, even though I was reading everything I could, there wasn't that much out there back then. But I read everything I could, but I'm not a doctor. So when people ask me doctor questions, I felt uncomfortable, you know, you know, a standard. My opinion is that would be an entry into any question. So I thought to myself, well, I need a, I need to find a doctor. <laughs> so I called the heads of three major hospitals. I said, give me your lifestyle cardiologist. Give me a three, a, a list of three. Trust me, it took me like a month to get these people call me back, but I was, I was calling every day. And uh, one name was repeated. It was Dr. Joel Kahn. So I said, well, if he's the one on all three lists, I might as well give him a call. Never knew the guy. Okay. Never heard of him. Never knew him. I called him. He invites me over his house. I didn't call anybody else. I knew at that point he was the right person. He was at Beaumont at that time. He was able to get us a bigger venue. And here we were, our very first meeting. He was going to do the science side. I was going to do the testimonial. We thought we'd, you know, it was room for 80 people. We had 123 people show up. And uh, it was amazing. And then, you know how you have a meeting and then you schedule something the next month. And you think, okay, there's some attrition. Right. Next month, 147 show up. Now, that room was filled and out the door. I don't know if Beaumont liked it, but the standard American diet that they were, you know, pushing really didn't, you know, work well with the plant based words we were saying. And literally three days before our third meeting scheduled, they said we couldn't be there anymore. So I was going, okay, what am I going to do? I got, 140 people, I, I got to call them and I got to find a place. Luckily, you know, after calling churches, synagogues, schools, Birmingham school system opened up their doors. And that's why all of our live meetings up till COVID was at the Birmingham two high schools because they could seat a thousand plus people and they opened the doors when I needed it. So that's where PBNSG began, really began. And uh, that journey was such a beautiful journey because things were live and we bring speakers in every month. And I got an opportunity to meet the literal who's who of the, every speaker you could imagine. And, you know, we would do a couple things first, you know, I'd, they'd, I'd fly them in, they'd have a nice hotel that was by the place. And I'd take them to as many medical schools as I possibly could, because I knew wow. that we, we needed to get young doctors to understand the benefits of nutrition before pills and procedures. So they would be with me for like three days straight. And I got to know them, you know, and I'm on the bench. I, I will ask people random everything, anything, because I, I, I'm i a sponge for learning this stuff. And these guys were the greatest. And you you go down the list, they were here, okay? So, How difficult yeah. was it to set up these seminars in med schools where these plant-based leaders would, would address the students? Well, it started at Wayne State Medical School, and there was like a club, like it could have been like a vegan club. It wasn't a plant-based club, but it was a vegan club. And I met the person who was running the vegan club, and I explained what I was about and what I'd like to do. And they're like, 
hey, if you could bring the speakers in, we'll set aside a room and we could do it from, you know, every, you know, from now on. And Amanda Martin was the contact person in the initial connection to the med school. So all of a sudden she would post it and tell all her colleagues. And before you know it, we would have like 20 or 30 med students showing up because they knew that they were getting, you know, they, you know, they're all, you know, they love it, you know, education and they're getting something they were not getting in school, which is nutritional education. So, and, and plus you're getting the greatest speakers in the world talking to them. So it continued and continued. And finally one day, and by the way, expanded, we went to U of M, Michigan State, Central Michigan, Oakland University, but we always went to Wayne State. And because the student group was so strong and uh, together, they started bothering the faculty and the curriculum people that they thought, hey, look at Paul, if he could turn his life around and others, shouldn't we know that as young doctors? One day the head of the curriculum said, hey, we're making a curriculum change. Why don't you create a curriculum here at Wayne State? Um, now it wasn't a curriculum as you would think like just pure plant-based and nutrition. We decided to really just give six or seven items of the nine systems of the body, and then the professors could add it however they want. So they actually accepted it. It's something that is required. And I thought, wow, that took me a year and a half with 14 med students, first and second year, from all over the state converging, me buying the meals and just listening to them because we were creating this curriculum. And um, I mean, it was a beautiful time. It really was because I got all new respect for how tough med school is. And, um, you know, they accepted. And I thought, well, this is it. We're going to go to every med school and provide it. But, you know, we started doing it and started realizing politically or timing that it wasn't going to happen. Most were were you getting resistance from the faculty of the med schools, everyone. whereas the students were helping you? Well, you know, I mean, I didn't have a group quite like the Wayne State group did, but I did have some smaller groups at other med schools. But it was a total shutdown for the faculty because... You know, they would always say to me, okay, I agree that, you know, we should do this, but what did you want me to take away? And I would always say, you choose anything because really the first words out of a doctor should be, what are you eating? And right. hey, before I give you this prescription or give you a procedure, let's go 30, 60 days on a plant-based diet. Let's assess at that point, you know, because then people would lose weight, see the numbers drop and might be motivated to continue it. But doctors aren't doing that. And it's kind of mind-blowing to me. Here we are, you know, today. And that medical course material I gave to Michael Clapper with his sole purpose of trying to get it in all med schools. And unfortunately, even the great Michael Clapper has gotten into no med schools that I know of. You know, I mean, they all have, oh, we will or we might. But why is it that when people go plant-based, they can reduce the diabetes numbers, the heart disease numbers, other modalities, and it's not being taught at med school where the doctors sign an oath to heal people before they get into pills and procedures. You know, and it's just, it's mind blowing, but it's political. So I had to say, not goodbye to it. I still, you know, willing to help people with it if they need it. But more importantly, you know, we started growing as an organization. We started expanding around the country. We ended up having 54 small groups. We still had the speaker events. We had culinary events. And, um, you know, I was busy. I was, it was my full-time job uh, you know, because I was on this mission of awareness. And then COVID hit. Wow. When COVID hit, you got to remember, most of our members, uh, and you know, were 60 and older. 
So we did a hard shutdown in February of COVID year, which broke my heart because now I wasn't going to see all these people. And there was, Glenn, I want to tell you, when we'd have a meeting and there'd be 500 or 1,000 people in the seats at the high school, the most exciting moment, I got kind of goosebumps right now, just every time I think about it was there was a buzz in the hallway before the meeting because people were converging that hadn't seen each other in a month and they were healthier and they were happier. Wow. And it was such a great feeling. And then they got to, and, and it was funny because I, I would start my day going to the med schools at like six o'clock. And now our meetings ended at like, you know, nine, nine 30. And I'd have to kick people out at 10 30 to say, I'm tired. I got to bring the speaker home. And we're, we're, we're gone. I'm tired, you know, but it was such a beautiful moment. And now it was gone because of COVID. We did a hard pivot and we do everything virtual. And, you know, COVID gave me and a lot of older people one big benefit, which is exactly what we're doing right now. We're on Zoom. Yeah. So we all learned how to use Zoom. And <laughs> uh, it's, you know, or, or some type of video. And, um, you know, PBNSG, Plant-Based Nutrition Support Group, is the largest national support group. We still offer speaker events, culinary events. Now, instead of having the small groups, which we had 54 little community groups, we have like uh, 15 strategic support groups. So if you have heart disease, you could be in a group of diabetes, or you could be in all of them. You know, we have a whopping $20 a month membership, and that allows you to all of our videos. We recorded everything we did. We also have a perfectly plant-based cookbook. Great story was 23 chefs that contributed all wanted to be part of the cookbook. So we produced the cookbook. It's amazing. Let's um, let's pause now for a quick commercial break, Paul. Okay. And we'll be back with more of Paul Chap Chatlin, the founder of the plant-based nutrition support group, PBNSG.org. Be right back. All right. If you've ever wanted to show off your plant-based lifestyle and do it in style, here's your chance. We have some of the most amazing t-shirts, hats, accessories, coffee mugs, and more at shop.realmeneatplants.com. We have statement t-shirts that will bring a smile to everyone's face. I love the I want tofu tonight tea. Plus, we have podcast teas, real women eat plants gear, real kids eat plants, and real people eat plants, just in case men, women, and kids didn't cover it all. Yeah, we love you and love that you want to show off that healthy lifestyle of yours. Again, check out our high-quality gear at shop.realmeneatplants.com and enjoy. All right, we're talking about how COVID affected uh, society as well as the plant-based nutrition support group. And, you know, Paul, there was a study in BMJ, formerly the British Medical Journal, that showed that there was a 72% reduction in severe COVID from people on a plant-based diet. However, they defined plant-based. It wasn't necessarily a whole food, low-fat, plant-based diet. 72% um, reduction. And yet you never heard Anthony Fauci or the Surgeon General or the CDC telling us anything about eating a plant-based diet to save our lives. Um, did you ever get COVID and did you uh, encounter uh, th this reality that people who are eating the way we eat 
didn't have too much to worry about from COVID? You know, um, great question. I did not get COVID. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had a, a pretty large membership and not, you know, we were not affected as a collective. However, some individuals with underlying health conditions, I lost and my heart broke when I found out. I attended uh, a handful of funerals that uh, I'm still really pretty sad about today because these were people I was close to. But saying that, uh, you know, I would I would add to that that Fauci didn't say anything about it. But also, the heroes that I grew up worshiping in the plant-based world, they didn't say a whole lot about it either. You know, I mean, because we, we can't count on others. We should count on ourselves. And I'll get to that in a moment, if you'll allow me. Um, but I'll just, I'll finish up by saying that uh, today, pbnsg.org is uh, there for you, for all the support, because, you know, you could go to a jump start, you could change, make a lifestyle change, but I can't underscore to everybody, this is really tough. It is really, really tough. It's funny because early on, I'd say, just make the change. Anybody can do anything. But now I add, you know, before you're ready to do this, make this lifestyle change. I mean, you should, if you're, you've got heart issues or high diabetes, you should if, give it a try for 60 days, see what happens. However, the impact it had on everyone I loved, my life in travel and going out changed with a plant-based lifestyle change. And I now would say to somebody, before you are ready to make this big leap, a leap you should make, you know, maybe seek some help, you know, get some tr some ways to get past the some depression or sadness that you get, you know, so seek some help before you're making this move. It, it, it would just help you. So saying that, um, you know, saying that to people, um, you know, as I mentioned, the plant-based nutrition support group um, is available because you need to get ongoing support. And we are an education organization. You know, we stay in our lane of health. That's what we now, do. Let me interrupt you here. When you say Please. this is tough, what are you referring to? The, are you referring to the difficulty of eating the diet or the difficulty of dealing with other human beings yes yes both everything i mean okay. it's here I'll, I'll just to expand just a moment it's when you grow up eating meat dairy and oil and oil is in everything you know just just check out what you eat oil has got all a whole bunch of names so does sugar so does salt and and it's in every product that's in the not around the perimeter of the grocery store not in the produce section everywhere else you got oil okay so when you think you're eating well, look at, you know, label read for a little bit. You'll be shocked at number one. And uh, so that's tough. Uh, going to restaurants. Now, you know, we were able to get some 20 restaurants in Michigan that could offer a meal. Now it's been reduced to like four because of COVID. Mm -hmm. But my point being is that I used to go out to dinner all the time. Now I, I just don't. I, I just, I, you know, because a lot of places won't let you bring your own food in. You know, people say, well, eat before and just have a salad. Well, to me... It was such a beautiful ritual um, of going out with people and friends and loved ones that I'm sitting there watching them gorge on food that sh they shouldn't be eating. And I'm just here playing with my lettuce. Um, I will say, admittedly, that uh, I'm not a drinker, but my middle son uh, turned me on to having an old fashioned. So so at least my, 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 my thing now is if I go out to dinner, 
first thing I do is order an old fashioned and then I get through anything. So it's, it's made it manageable, but traveling, I was traveling the world with my wife and I can't, I, I can't. Now that's about to change in two years because I finally got in touch with uh, a, a, a cruise ship here straight out telling you that I talked to the head of food and beverage and he's like, Oh, I don't think I can handle your, your, your diet restrictions. And I'm like, here, I'll send you 10 recipes just batch cook and make them over and over and over. And he's like, oh, I can do this. And I'm like, done. Because I eat a boring life. Like I have oatmeal or salad in the morning. I have the other in the afternoon. It's dinner that I got to create. And I don't like cooking. I never have. I don't like cleaning. I don't like preparing. I don't like, I just don't. But again, I eat to live. I don't live to eat anymore. Right. Now, so. on the subject of, of traveling, there are a few vegan traveling groups popping up like those vegan johnson journeys which is no oil whole food cooking so there are some options popping up now it's 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 about these many i mean you don't say that it you're popping up but it, you have to be at the right place right time all that stuff so right. it's difficult and then the other difficulty is you know when you're in a house to buy you know my beautiful loving wife my best friend her family lives to 100 and she eats you know, well, but doesn't eat plant-based. So never been an issue. You know, we got respect of 25 years of marriage. Uh, and, and, you know, we're good about that. But it's like when I, I'm around my whole family, I'm the only one other than my my oldest son who's plant-based. You, you know, so so it's, you know, the old, you know, early on, it was like having discussion, having conversation. And now you be you, I be me. They get to see how I look and how I feel. And, uh but it's, it is, it is, that's difficult. Um, but I, you know, so I can, may I continue? Of course. All right. Let me, let's take just a moment of education. I think this is a fun time to do it. And I want to get into the rest of my story. So first, if, if it's okay, I'm going to put this up so everyone can see it. So this is. What kind of test is that? It's a endothelial test strip. I'm going to try and get here. You, go. you can see everyone can see it now. All right. All right. So it's just something I found that you put under your tongue and it will give you an idea how much endothelial, how much food you're taking on to keep your endothelial levels at a good level. Okay. So that's just something if you're curious about, is it a perfect test? I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but it's interesting that when I don't eat uh, a whole lot of greens in a given day. Let's say it's a bean day and an oatmeal day, and I only have like, you know, one, you know, a bunch of greens. You know, I could see it fluctuate a little bit. So, you know, it's telling me something. The next thing. Okay. This is the first. This is going to be, this is going to be fun, huh? We're going to be making Zoom history right Zoom now, history. ladies and gentlemen. I, you know, when I told you I was unabashed, it's like, I don't, you know, I, 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 I know the time, the moment I lost my humility. The moment was when they were prepping me for bypass surgery. You know, they shave you top to bottom just because they got to prep you because right. if the calf didn't work in the wrist, it did. They go to the groin, right? right? And since they shave you, they're all prepping you for bypass. So I just remember sitting there. I was on drugs. So I was in like limbo right. land. And these four strange nurses come in. And within five minutes, I am shaved to the bone. And I'm, I'm like looking at myself laughing. I'm like, and, like <laughs> and you were shaved unnecessarily because you didn't have the surgery. So, so there could but, be a lawsuit in that. No, it's not. No, no, there's, we're too lawsuit happy. Like, you know, <laughs> so, so what happened was, is, is, uh, you know, my cholesterol through plant based 
baseline at about 120. I talked to my cardiologist at Cleveland Clinic. He's like, hey, I think you should do both. I thought about it, thought about it, said, okay, let's do it. So then the question was, I would like to get a drug that doesn't go through my liver. And the only currently, I could be wrong, but the only cholesterol drug is something called Repatha. It's not easy to get. Right. It's available. A little disclaimer there. now. Neither Paul nor I are doctors. Consult yes. with your physicians. But that's upside down there, Paul. Oh, thank you. And, yeah. uh, we are not selling or advising no. this drug. I, I, you- no, I, I'm just letting people know that from what I gather, uh, you know, I've had no side effects. And today, I'm proud to say my cholesterol is 88 because I do a combination of lifestyle eating and this. And, and let me just show Serum cholesterol of 88. Yeah. So so here, real quick. And like I said, uh, no humility. This is going to prove it to everybody. I'm, All right. We I'm are Glenn making show. Zoom history, ladies and gentlemen. So YouTube here's what history. I do. <laughs> here's what I do. Here's what the man like does. Twice a month. Now, don't be, don't, no one would be scared now. I wipe okay. it right here. Okay. I get a little bit of chubbiness in my fingers. I squeeze it. I press it down like that. Uh huh. One, two, three, four, done. Give it a little wipe. Done. All right. I do that twice that a month. That helps keep your cholesterol at these remarkably low numbers. Yeah. And On it's, top you know, of the whole food plant based diet. That's correct. So there's your. Um, little advertisement segue into, you know, uh, so, so long story short now, and I'll, I'll pick up the pace if everyone could uh, strap in and hold on to something. So this continued, you know, the growth of the organization continued, COVID hit. And then all of a sudden, about a year ago, I started getting angina again. Angina was, was getting me again. I'm like, how can this be? I mean, like, you know, so of course, you know, I, talk to people, blah, blah, blah. And, and it turned out that in my lipid panel, you know, uh, my doctor said, hey, your L- lipoprotein little a, LP little a, is skyrocketed high. It should be like, I think, under 50 or maybe under 100. But I was at like over 300. How did that and happen? Genetics. How about that? Like, like, people are just learning about it. They're just learning about it. But... It's genetic. There's nothing, you know, I was born with it. And, and this is like a, another plaque factory, this LP little A. And I was like, well, you know, I used, initially I was depressed straight up. I was upset and depressed because of all the lifestyle, ch- lifestyle changes I did. But then about three months later, after, you know, a bout of depression about it, um, I started realizing that if I hadn't gone plant-based, this thing would have been even worse and yeah. earlier. So what am I doing today about it? Well, uh, I'm going. Let me to interrupt the, to ask you: Did you yes. speak with Doctor Esselstyn about this? I, you know what, um, I, I, I talked to him about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I also went out to the world and said, anybody have any recommendations? And um, a doctor gave me some information, um, and and I'm not talking too much about it because it, it, it has me having a lot of supplements a combination of lysine, proline, zinc, uh, niacin. It's a, it's a concoction. And I'm not a, I'm not a supplement person, but in the rough studies that he shared with me, it lowered the LP little a. So I tried it and I, my number was 340, 320. 
And after like three months, it dropped down about 280. So I'm like, okay, this is getting better. So mm-hmm. I'm going to get, so, so then I went all in with a few more supplements. And at the end of September, I'm going back to the Cleveland Clinic for a checkup. I will have the LP little a tested and I'll post my results. So I'm committed to trying to do everything I can that genetics could, you know, gave me, you know, high LP right. little a. Plus, they're now in phase three study for an inject a, a, a shot you take again every two weeks. And in phase two, they were able to lower LP little a by 95%. Wow. So, so help is on the way, but you know how it works. It could be two, three, four years from now to get it approved and all that stuff. But part of the reason I'm going to the Cleveland clinic is I'm meeting with the doctor who's uh, running the phase three trial. So I'm crossing fingers that I get in, be one of the thousand and I don't get the placebo. But right. if I can't, then there's nothing I could do. I just keep eating plant-based, keep taking the supplements, and live my best life. So that that's a kind of an interesting And, and are you having any more angina? No. You know, well, here. When I had the angina, I had to go back to the Cleveland Clinic a year ago. and Because, again, I it was at that place where I could barely walk. And, of course, they'd go back to the heart catheter, and they found out my... Oh, my my was at the uh, Widowmaker artery was ninety nine percent blocked. Ninety nine percent blocked. So again, the Lord looked at me kindly, and they had to put in a stent. That was where the depression was. I was like, I never wanted something foreign in my body, right. but I didn't have to have bypass again. I have a stent. And uh, I've not had any issues since, you know, and the good news for anybody is the stent technology, as my doctor said, is, you know, you may have to have more other stents, but the stent you got put in will last you most likely a lifetime. As long as I stay plant-based, I don't have any other plans but to stay plant-based. So um, where are we? Where's Paul today? So let me just, if I could, take a few more precious moments from you. So I'm sitting here. Go on as long as you like, Paul. <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk for a full day. Um, so I'm sitting there like, you know, here I am, you know, kind of wallowing in my plant-based drink of whatever. Oh, by the way, since you gave me a little more freedom for time, I've, we created a friend of mine, Timory gave me a great recipe for infused water. So everybody, I'm gonna, it's just a few ingredients and it's so refreshing. So I'm gonna give it to you and then I'll get into where I am today. Okay. Everyone ready? Here we go. Go ahead. You take water. I used about a half a gallon in a pitcher. I take four bags of hibiscus tea and put it into the pitcher with the water. I then add, and by the way, Play around with it. I did. But what's got me enjoying this so much, I take an apple and kind of quarter it and drop it in. I take an orange, quarter it, drop it in. I add some lime juice. I put it in my refrigerator. And 24 hours later, it's a beautiful tea color. And just give it a try. You're going to love it. It really is. It it, it allowed me to not have to, you know, uh, it's like water, this. And my guilty indulgence is chocolate soy milk. Okay, there you have it. That's what I like. All right, now saying all that stuff, where am I today? 
So about six months ago, I said, you know, I started realizing that you know, you've got the beef industry and they're doing great. And you got the dairy association and they're doing great. You never hear anything internal with them. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to know all the greats in the plant-based world. And let's just get real. I'm going to show you a visual. The world of plant-based nutrition was so small to begin with. And through COVID, it's about take this amount and then knock it down by like a lot. We're, you know, like, we're just, we're not, we're, we're not, we're not a voice. We're, we're just. You're, you're it, saying that COVID had a deleterious effect on the plant-based movement? Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, a great, you know, it's like I take it from the, you know, thousands of members that we have, almost 10,000, you know, email people that I connect to. And, um, you know, a lot of them were just checked out. It was COVID made it tough and they just started eating some bad foods again. I can't, I'm not making a, a blush and a broad stroke to everybody, but I think that people kind of gave up a little bit for a while. They were home for a long time. See, um, the, re the reverse should have happened. COVID should have been a wake-up call to eat plant-based because obviously it was people who were obese and with type 2 diabetes who suffered the most from COVID. Well, think about this. So, like, you know, you, you look back, you look at plant-based, and it's like you had the China study. The science was all there. You had a couple other great books, How to Reverse Prevent Heart Disease. But nothing new has changed. The science has been the same for 30 plus years. You had Forks Over Knives. And you had nothing. I mean, you've had other good movies, but nothing like, oh, my God, Forks Over Knives level. Um, so there hasn't been a lot of excitement, a lot of things going on. And yet you take the top 10 or 20 people, the people I love and respect, and I look up to. I do. I They're my heroes. But they don't always work well together. I'm being straight with everybody. And uh, you can't put them all in a room at the same time and and have one voice. So then it kind of hit me. By the way, the funniest moment, Glenn, funniest ever. I'm a I'm a closet Star Trek person in the day, right? I just I just liked it. Well, so, you're out of the closet now, Paul. Okay, I you got to stand corrected. You're right. Okay, everybody, I like Star Trek. Okay, so I was I was up in the middle of the night, and I turned the TV on, and my favorite. Next Generation episode ever is on. And it was the one, if you're for the Trekkie fans, where John Luke Picard is talking to the guy Q. Q is an omnipotent person, godlike. And they're bantering back and forth. He says, oh, you think your race and your people are so great. Here's what your future lies. And he snaps his finger. They take him hundreds of light years away. And it was the first time they ever saw the Borg. And what is the Borg? It's a assimilated human race with AI capabilities and they all work together as one. And right then I'm like, that's what we need. Like it was like, and I said, okay, so, so what do I got to do? I was like, oh my God, it came to me. That's it. So I started writing these open letters and kind of suggesting that, you know, I feel we need a pivot in the plant-based world. Um, we do. We've, we've been hero worshiping the greats as we, should do and have I, I I me I've done it. but we have no voice and we are all the, the the pillars of this is when you get past a certain level we're like PB Industries below that level and so so many other plant-based organization people they all lack funding they need resource they don't share their resources um they all are stretched ridiculously thin with activity they have all been hurt 
you know, it could be they had to shut down or somebody promised them something that didn't happen. You know, whatever it was, there was some pain along the way. But the people that I've now met, they're all beautiful people who care. And they have a high integrity and they want to make a world of difference like I do, like you do. So I put the open letter out immediately. My new dear best buddy ever, Meryl Fury, called me from Chicago, plant-based nutrition movement. And she's like, oh, my God, I read it. It resonated with me. I'm in. I'm with you. I'm going to help you. You know. So both Meryl and I uh, have been working behind the scenes to create an association. And let me let you know, and this is about my wrap-up with you is I continue writing the letters, asking people to connect. And it's been going for about two months where we now have 26 people and or organizations who said, I'm all in. What do you want? What can I do? I agree with you. So we are going to be having a meet and greet in late September where everyone gets to meet each other. And it's going to be kind of a consensus building where I don't have to make decisions and lead the way like a hero anymore. You know, I'm, I'm just a regular guy. I'm nothing special. Trust me. However, we're going to work as a collective and we're going to share resources, funding. If we build this association, everyone who falls underneath it, will see the benefits of it. Um, there is still room. So if you are somebody I don't know or somebody I do know who thinks that it's time to pivot and create a, a better world for, and, and I'm doing this because I'm now a grandfather and it, I look around the world and I'm like, what's this world going to be like environmentally for my grandkids? She's just a cutie pie. I want to, I want her to have a great life. I got three sons. I worry about them. So I am going to spend as much time as it needed to create what is going to be called Sage Circle Alliance. So if you want to get in touch with me, Paul at pbnsg.org. Glenn will help you uh, connect up. Glenn's on board. And Real Men Eat Plants are on board. And there's a lot more. But I'm going to hold back on giving you the names, but you'll be surprised. And uh, so we've got 26 people and organizations. we got time. And you know, think of a wheel. Think of spokes on a wheel. we got room for a lot of spokes. So if you're interested, you need to shout. And, uh, and that's what we're and doing. so the concept is sort of to align the forces within the plant-based movement and share resources and work together. Is that the, the general concept? Yeah, the the tagline says shaping our dreams together. We are going to work together. You, you know, we're not all going to get what we individually want, but because you got everyone's high integrity and understanding and passionate. We're going to get things moving along a little bit differently and we're going to be a little more vocal and we're going to have an environmental piece to it because we have to attract the younger people. And um, we're trying. That's all we're doing. We're trying something different. All right. Well, we've made a lot of history today, Paul. <laughs> we had the we had the live injection <laughs> and now we have the announcement of a new pivot in the plant based movement. I hope so. That's a lot of history. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for all the good work you do at pbnsg.org. That's where you can find Paul and you can uh, sign up for their newsletter and uh, join their uh, plant-based support events. 
And thank you for joining us. And please subscribe to this channel and see you soon. Thank you very much. Bye, all. This has been the Glenn Mercer Show, where everyone listening turns vegan, regains their health, and annoys their friends and relatives. Find us on YouTube at The Glenn Merzer Show and across all your major podcast platforms. Don't forget to subscribe.